Hi, Echo Church family. Thank you so much for joining us today. Before we dig into scripture, can we just take a deep breath together? Ready? I feel better now. I hope you do too. I just wanted to start with that because clearly we've all had things that have probably caught our breath in the last couple of days, couple of weeks, couple of hours, because it's a strange time that we're in right now. We're not meeting together, and that's unusual, especially in the spring. There's no snow on the ground to prevent us. It's this thing, this unknown that's out there, this health concern. And so while it was hard to decide not to meet together today, we wanted to do everything we could to be safe. And our leadership wants to protect all of us, all of our families, all of our loved ones, people we come in contact with. And so we thank you for joining us here instead today. And it's a strange time, isn't it? I've never experienced anything like this before, and you may not have either. But in the midst of all this, I hope that what you're not feeling is overwhelmed by fear. And that's our topic today. What's so fascinating is that we've been going through the book of Acts together in our series, behind the scenes, looking at the way the first church began. And the actual scripture that we were scheduled to study today is so fitting. It's looking at the way a community responded in fear. And it just felt like it was something that God brought to us at this time. And it has some great things for us to think about. Before we dig into there, it's gonna be Acts chapter 19. If you wanna head there, I'll just chat a little bit about its history. We've been looking at how the church first began, and Paul was one of the church leaders who was headed out to other churches in other cities to begin new churches, actually, to tell people about Jesus. And he would meet with people, Jews and Gentiles, and try to tell them the good news of who Jesus was and what he did for our lives through his death and his resurrection. And so he has been going about and trying to encourage believers and make new believers. And at this point, in chapter 19, he finds himself in Ephesus. Now, Ephesus is located on the Aegean Sea in what we would know as modern-day Turkey. And Paul spent about two years there. And during this time, he had discussions about people getting baptized, God did miracles through Paul during this time, and people were healed. We also find out that certain people turned away from sorcery to become believers. And in doing so, they gave up their livelihood and even burned very expensive scrolls, which were a part of what they were doing, practicing before, just to come to Jesus. So it's been a bit of a great revival in this city to see people come and follow Jesus. But this was disturbing to some people who already lived in Ephesus. And we're going to dig in, starting with verse 23. And you might notice, if you're there with me, that this section has called a riot in Ephesus. So already we're seeing this is going to get interesting. Let me read for us. Verse 23 says, About that time there arose a great disturbance about the way. Now if you remember, the way is what they were calling Christianity at the time. Let's keep going. A silversmith named Demetrius, who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought in a lot of business for the craftsmen there. He called them together, along with the workers in related trades, and said, 
You know, my friends, that we receive a good income from this business. And you see and hear how this fellow Paul has convinced and led astray large numbers of people here in Ephesus and practically the whole province of Asia. He says that gods made by human hands are no gods at all. There is danger not only that our trade will lose its good name, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will be discredited. And the goddess herself, who was worshipped throughout the province of Asia and the world, will be robbed of her divine majesty. This is an interesting story. You see, Ephesus was the center of worship of the goddess Artemis. And in fact, the temple for her there was so amazing, so beautiful, it was considered one of the seven ancient wonders of the world. So most of the city of Ephesus, I'm going to have a hard time saying that this morning, most of the city of Ephesus was dedicated to the worship of Artemis and also to the travel industry. Tourists would come in, not just touring, but religious practices. Of course, some people would just come to see how amazing the architecture was, just as we would tour cities today. And other people came with religious specificity to come and worship the goddess there. And you can imagine, here is a craftsman, Demetrius, and what does he do for a living? He makes replicas of this temple of Artemis to sell to people so they can have their own version in their homes. Now, as you can imagine, if your entire industry is built on hospitality, is built on, focused on worship of this goddess, and everybody's coming to your city for one thing, and then in comes Paul, who is saying, hey, Jesus is the true God. Yahweh God is the true and living God. Do not worship these false gods. That is changing an entire city's trajectory. And Demetrius is not only has a problem with, hey, you're affecting my living. The more people who follow Jesus, the less people will buy my products. But he also told his fellow craftsmen, you know what? We've gained quite a reputation here. We are considered well-to-do because of the money we make, and we have some social standing. If this changes, it's not only our finances, but also our social status that is affected. And then he continues to drum up and say, our entire city will fall apart. Do you hear the fear here? Can you relate right now? Right now, in our country and other places around the world, people are concerned. Not just because we're worried about our health, but there's a lot of people whose livelihood is dependent upon how we go out and about, how we interact, how we travel. These are people's jobs on the lines, and our whole lives are now a bit of a question mark. So we can truly relate to the fear that these people in Ephesus were dealing with. But as we could say, we foreshadowed that there was going to be a problem when this happened. How did they react to fear? Let's find out. Verse 28 through 34. When they heard this, Demetrius's words, they were furious and began shouting, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! Soon the whole city was in an uproar. The people seized Gaius and Aristarchus, Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia, and all of them rushed into the theater together. Paul wanted to appear before the crowd, but the disciples would not let him. Even some of the 
officials of the province, friends of Paul, sent him a message begging him not to venture into the theater. The assembly was in confusion. Some were shouting one thing, some another. Most of the people didn't even know why they were there. The Jews in the crowd pushed Alexander to the front, and they shouted instructions to him. He motioned for silence in order to make a defense. But when they realized he was a Jew, they all shouted in unison for about two hours, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. This was truly a dangerous situation. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that this fear has now turned to anger, has now turned to a gathering? People didn't even know what was going on. We've seen what happens. We've seen news footage when groups of people are out of control or they're all focused with such anger or fear. It's a dangerous situation. And if you notice, Paul's ministry friends got dragged along. Two of them are named, and they were dragged right along with the crowd. So Paul wanted to go there. He wanted to rescue his friends or stand up for them or speak and try to do something for the crowd. But the other disciples said, pull back. Who knows why that they said this? Were they worried for his safety? Were they worried that he would just make things worse? Did they trust that the things would calm down on their own? Safety was an issue. You know, at times like we're facing right now, you're going to look back and you're going to question. I spoke with someone today, an Echo family member who just thought, was I prepared enough for a situation that we're facing right now with people being quarantined, with social distancing, all because of this virus? And this person said, I just wonder, was I prepared enough? You're always going to be questioning whether you've done the right thing. Should you keep pushing forward? Should you pull back? Should you be taking a risk right now? Or should you preserve yourself, preserve your safety? Because in the long term, you're going to be needed. It's hard to make these decisions. They're not always easy. They're not always clear. We can pray for guidance. And at times we're going to feel like, yes, I need to step forward right now. Or maybe we need to feel like, I need to wait because God needs to use me in the later. Preserve my own health right now. You're going to have to make these decisions for yourself. And at times, God can use either, either way. There's times when we are faced with a situation not like maybe what we're in now. And it seems like no matter what choice we make, God can be glorified. And he can use our action or our time to wait. It's interesting because Paul wanted to step in. And it, you wonder how hard it was for him. Did he question, should I have gone in there? But let's see what happened. Because though he stayed put, something good did result. There was some peace. Verse 35 says, The city clerk quieted the crowd and said, Fellow Ephesians, doesn't all the world know that the city of Ephesus is the guardian of the temple of the great Artemis, of her image which fell from heaven? Therefore, since these facts are undeniable, you ought to calm down and don't do anything rash. You have brought these men here, though they have neither robbed temples nor blasphemed our goddess. If then Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen have a grievance against anybody, the courts are open, there are proconsuls, they can press charges. If there is anything further you want to bring it up, do so in a legal assembly. As it is, we are in danger of being charged with rioting because of what happened today. 
In that case, we would not be able to account for this commotion, since there is no reason for it. After he had said this, he dismissed the assembly. I find it interesting that a resident, one of their own fellow Ephesians, said, hey, you need to calm down. Anybody else hear Taylor Swift singing that to you? Sorry to get you an earworm. Maybe it's just me. Okay, here's an example of a dangerous result that happens when fear takes over. But God was still present and bringing peace. I find this interesting because you would expect it to be through Paul. And that's how we've kind of been reading like, okay, well, Paul took risk with his life before. He stepped up and said things and he was both physically and socially harmed. But in this instance, he did not. Yet God used someone else, someone who wasn't even a follower of Yahweh God. And yet he spoke his truth through them and got the crowd to calm down. I find this very interesting, but just as reassuring that sometimes we take it all on our shoulders and yet God is in control. And at the times when we feel like we don't need to act just yet, God is still present. He's still at work and we can trust in him that he can still bring good. Even if it's not through us, it's through other people. We can trust that he is in control. What a message that we need to hear today. And notice this fear in Ephesus began, began because the good news of Jesus was spoken by Paul and by his fellow Christians. People began believing, and that caused fear for the non-believers. Our faith may cause some people to react negatively, but to others, it's going to be the hope and the life that we receive too. So we need to keep speaking up about our faith. It's worth it. Now, through all of this, I can see four reminders in this passage that I want us to think about today. Four reminders. Number one, as I was just stating, it's not all on your shoulders. Yes, it is good to act. Yes, it is good to be the hands and feet of Jesus. But especially in a situation like we're facing in our country right now, we're not the ones that are going to be the saviors. We can be used by God, but let's remember it's a partnership with him. Let's come before God and say, your spirit, let your spirit move and empower us. God, you are the one who brings true healing. You are the one that brings true peace. Let him use us, but remember who is the one doing the healing, doing the work, doing the salvation. That's from God. Number two, with that in mind, let's remember we can be an encouragement to other people. In times of crisis, people turn to those who have faith. And you might find that friends of yours, family members, who may not talk about God at all, who may scoff at religion or church, but they might be coming to you right now because they sense something in you, some faith, some firm foundation, some hope. And so I pray for you that you can be an encouragement to them. Dispel their fear. Keep bringing up Jesus' truth. Show the love and the trust and the hope you have in God, in Jesus, in his spirit. And you will be a great encouragement to them. Pray for people who are scared. You can be there for them. 
Number three, I want us to remember how connected we all are. Because we're connected, everyone matters. I have to be honest that when I first heard the news that there was this virus affecting China, I cared, yes, but I don't know if I had as deep of a care until it came closer and closer and I started to know people who were living in regions that were affected. And that's, it's a difficult thing to admit. And I guess it's just human, but I wanna be the person that cares just as strongly if it's happening on the other side of the world than if it's happening right in my backyard. Because everyone is made in God's image. And this shows more clearly than ever before that we are all connected and when something happens in another part of the world, it can affect everyone. And we should care because of that, and we should care because God cares. It's a harsh reminder. It's a very vivid reminder. But it's a way of calling me, and I hope that it calls you, to just see how much people matter in the eyes of God. And his heart breaks when we suffer and when we hurt. But because we are all connected, I hope that you will also remember you are not alone. Because right now, we're being asked to stay apart. Social distancing is gonna be helpful, they say. And so that is what we are attempting to do, but it can feel a bit isolating. It may bring about anxiety to you and that breaks my heart. And so I want you to know that you're not alone and that we are all connected. And it's wonderful that we live in a day and age that we can use technology to reach out. And so I hope you know, if you are feeling lonely, that you're not the only one who feels this way. So make the first move and reach out to someone when you are feeling low. And you're going to lift them up. You're going to feel good too. And if we're all reaching out to one another, then we'll stay connected. Share what's on your heart, the good things and the bad, because we're a family of believers. And also there's a great community of support and love. And times like these bring it out. I hope you've seen examples of that already. And finally, I want you to know in that spirit of connection that we'd love for you to call on us, Kendra and Dylan and I, the elders of the church. We're all praying for you. We know that some of you are working in situations where you have to remain in close contact with people with big needs, with lots of care. We know that some of you work in industries that are being financially affected and you're concerned about your job. And we know others of you who are just feeling overwhelmed and we want to hear from you. Please let us know how we can support you, how we can encourage you and pray for you because we are family and you are not alone. There might be needs that we find out about here in our community, in our city, where we as a church could support and those of you who are healthy and feeling up for it, we'll share those opportunities so that we can be of service and encouragement to those in need. The fourth thing, fourth thing that we want to remember, the same good news that Paul preached about in Ephesus that caused such an uproar but was so very important is the same good news today, Jesus. Jesus loves you, he loves the world, and he died for us. He died 
he lived first and then died and then rose again and lived some more in order to save us because he loves us in order to bring about God's salvation and also to demonstrate every bit of God's love to come in human form to be one of us to live among us when we cry when we laugh and when we're afraid he knows how that feels he wanted to feel that and experience that and he did it for us that good news never changes and when we're on our best days or when we are facing our biggest fears Jesus remains with us and for us, and his love will not stop. Don't forget that. Let's pray together. God, these are, these are strange times. These times can bring fear, and we know that you provide peace and hope. God, please take our fears. Show us what is true and right. Show us that you are in control. Remind us that we can lean on you, go to you, and that you, you hold all things in your hands and you work all things for your good and your glory. We give you our lives. We ask for your guidance and your strength. It's in these things we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.